Well, good Sunday morning to you. It's the Sunday before Memorial Day. Hope your Memorial Day weekend has been safe, has been fun within this lockdown situation that some states are still in, New York in particular. Uh, But today, and by the way, before I move further, be sure to email me if you have any questions or comments, alex.garrett21, alex.garrett21 at yahoo.com. And follow on social media, Alex G in NYC, Alex G in NYC on Twitter and Instagram. Now today, I'm welcoming back Jason Van Camp. You might have met him earlier on in January. He's a retired Green Beret, and he's written a new book called Deliberate Discomfort. And uh, I wanted him to join to weigh in on Memorial Day itself and how this deliberate discomfort we've be been in is changing our lives and in a mili- military perspective to this lockdown and quarantine and the COVID-19 crisis as well. Hey, Jason, thanks for joining me this morning. Yeah, sure, Alex. I appreciate you having me on, man. Happy Memorial Day to you and everyone uh, that's listening, your audience. Um, so let me understand. So you want me to t- tell you and the audience about my military career a little bit? Yeah, just tell us your story and why you decided to write Deliberate Discomfort. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, just a quick background on me. I I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area in Virginia, West Point guy, played football up there. Um, When I joined the military, it was just before 9-11. I um, volunteered to go to ranger school. I became a ranger. Then I became a Green Beret, and and I retired in 2015, medically retired in 2015, uh, mainly due to a a seizure disorder that I developed uh, over my career. So that's kind of my, the short of my military career. And, uh, you know, deployed three times in the Middle East and spent a year in Korea and some time in Africa and, and different places. Uh, lived in Russia for two years. So um, when I got out of the military, I asked myself the same question that a lot of veterans ask themselves, and almost every veteran asked themselves, like, now what? What am I going to do with myself? And my mother always used to tell me, kind of growing up, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And I looked around what my friends were doing and some of them had jobs and, you know, they were doing pretty good. They were grinding away and kind of climbing up the corporate ladder. And I looked at that and I said, okay. And and some other friends were kind of being a little bit more like risk takers. They were starting their own businesses. And some of them were very, very successful. Only, you know, five, five to seven years out of the military, they were making millions of dollars. And I was like, wow, man, that's, that's fantastic. And, and I thought that, that kind of fits my personality a little bit more, like starting a business and, and being creative and, you know, being responsible and accountability for all your success and failure, not having to depend on someone or not having a boss, like demanding you to do things which you sometimes think are stupid ideas. You know, I, I wanted to be my own boss. And so um, I thought, you know, well, if I'm going to start a business, what should I do? And, and I thought, you know, uh, I got to start something that I'm knowledgeable about and passionate about. And I was very knowledgeable about military and leadership and team building and that sort of thing. I I did it for the last 20 years of my life, you know, and then I was pretty passionate about, you know, people like helping people, um, being around a solid team of people. Um, and so I got together with a lot of people that I worked with in my career, former commanders of mine, former peers, 
you know, in the military and some subordinates that, that worked for me, people that I just thought were just amazing, amazing people, amazing leaders, people that I wanted to be around and learn from. And I thought to myself, you know, when I have kids, I want my kids to be around these people. And, um, and we started a business called Mission Six Zero. And uh, our first client ever was the NFL's New York Jets, you know, and we sort of started working with a lot of NFL teams. And then we started getting our foot in the door with uh, some major league baseball teams. And of course, we work with a lot of corporate clients. And so that's kind of how the company grew, you know. And, uh, and uh, when I first started the business, I, I worked with a lot of mentors and people that were kind of telling me, you know, uh, kind of leading the path for me and showing me the ropes and kind of telling me what to do. And one of the first things they told me was almost everybody. They said, Jason, I don't know if you're going to succeed unless you have curriculum, unless you have material, unless you write a book. Most everybody that succeeds in this industry, they always start with a book and then, you know, they start to get contracts and clients and so forth. And I thought, yeah, that's good advice. I don't really have anything to write about right now. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to, you know, gather some more stories and, and go from there. So I kind of did it the opposite. And so in the back of my mind, I always knew that we needed to write a book, um, you know, that contains the curriculum that we teach at Mission Six Zero. And then eventually, last year, I felt inspired enough to write this book and, and sort of shift our leadership training to specifically focus on getting comfortable being uncomfortable. And that was a message that really resonated with our audience. People really liked that message. And so uh, the book uh, that I wrote was called Deliberate Discomfort. And the subtitle is How U.S. Special Operations Forces Overcome Fear and Dare to Win by Getting Comfortable Being Uncomfortable. Now, that's a hell of a long subtitle, but we really like you know, the title of the book. And it's about um, you know, making that courageous decision in life to deliberately choose discomfort proving to yourself that you're no longer satisfied with the way that things are. You're not going to tolerate it any longer. You're ready for change. You're ready to, for growth. You know, you're ready to accept and embrace suffering because you want a better life for yourself, your family, your business. And, you know, what the problem is that we find is, is fear. You know, people are afraid. And I tell people, you know, um, the thing with fear is, is this. Fear kills more dreams than failure ever will. And so if you could just take that first step, oftentimes that's the most uncomfortable step. Good things are going to happen to you. You're going to learn. You're going to grow. You're going to improve. You're going to become a stronger, better person. And um, and that's sort of what we teach at Mission Six Zero. Uh, Jason Van Kim is what we're talking to. And as I texted you, Deliberate discomfort. I mean, aren't we in this right now? We kind of weren't choosing it, but we had to because, you know, governors were telling us, the CDC was telling us, so now we're here in the situation. <laughs> and so uh, what's your encouragement? I mean, a military base is really not the same as just going downstairs to the kitchen table, you know? So what perspective do you have about literally having to stay in place for months at a time on a, on a base uh, fighting for our country? Yeah. So, listen, COVID nineteen, you know, the coronavirus is the epitome of deliberate discomfort. It, it's so crazy that this happened right when the book was coming out. Because, you know, I'm just like anybody else. COVID has really hurt my company, right? Mission Six Zero. What we do, you know, besides you know publishing the book and selling the book and ebook and audio book, of which the ebook is out 
tomorrow and the audio book will be out in early June, which we're excited about. But we do live in-person keynotes. We do live in-person workshops. We do live in-person corporate training, retreats, executive coaching, that sort of thing. So all of the contracts that we had in 2020 are canceled or postponed. So I've literally lost hundreds of thousands of dollars at Mission Six Zero. You know, you, you don't see me right now, but it's forced me to grow my hair out. I haven't been able to get to my barber, man. I look like I'm Moses from the Ten Commandments. Like my beard is like down to my, to my chest and my hair is as long as it's ever been, even before high school. And so uh, I think to myself, and I'm sure everyone else is thinking to themselves, you know, what do I do? Do I sit and wait for something good to happen to me? Do I close up shop and use COVID as an excuse for why I failed? Or do I do something about it, right? Times are tough. Things are tough for everyone. People are feeling uncomfortable, to say the least. And that feeling of discomfort is not something we should hide from or, or pretend that we're not going through. I feel what I want to say to your audience is, hey, let's, let's be honest about who we are and what we're experiencing. Let's embrace this deliberate discomfort and be vulnerable because, you know, as you said, people are telling us to stay indoors and do this, but it's ultimately, it's our choice. We can go outside. We can do whatever we want. Like nobody's going to do anything about it. We're choosing to do this to ourselves. And that's not a bad thing. It's a blessing to me, you know, and back to what I was saying is it's most of the time we put up this front. You know, I think a lot of us, especially on social media, we're, we're faking it until we make it. We're pretending to be someone we're not. And COVID, again, has given this beautiful gift. It's a time where there's no more faking. It's just us as people. You know, we're stripped down. We're stressed out. We're trying to hold it together. We're trying to figure out the next steps. And nobody really is pretending that everything is fine. And uh, no, go ahead. No, they're not. And it's just, um, it's great to hear. But for you, for the, your experiences on the military, you know, on the ground, in the war zone, what can you tell us about that that has helped you prepare and maybe your experiences could help us prepare for continued lockdown and whatever else we might be seeing here? So I was a Green Beret, you know, as I explained, right? And uh, Special Forces Commander. And after I earned my Green Beret and reported to my unit for the first time, um, I found out we were going to combat in just in a few weeks. And I would be leading this team of grizzled, battle-hardened Green Berets into battle. You know, and that's as stressful, that's as uncomfortable an experience as you can imagine. And my commander told me right before he introduced me to my team, he said, you're in command now, do something with it. And I thought back, you know, to some military experiences and, and training. Really, the first day of Special Forces selection, you know, they would start with this incredibly intense physical smoke session and we typically start at least we did at the time i know we don't anymore with something called log pt where we hold this this you know incredibly heavy log over our heads as a team and we do exercises with it we you know move it to our right shoulder our left shoulder we do bicep curls we do push-ups on it we move around we do relay races with it you know and we're competing against other teams and and our instructors are trying to break us you know, because they want to see mm -hmm. who we really are as people. They want to get down and dirty and be like, okay, who is this guy really? Because when he first showed up, he was excited. Some of these guys were shouting encouragement. Some of these guys were doing this and that. But after about 20 minutes, when you're exhausted, you can't fake it any longer. Your true personality comes out. And you start to focus internally. You focus on yourself. You focus on how can I, myself, Right? How can I 
keep enough energy so that I can get through this. And almost counterintuitively, I don't even know why I did this, but I, I looked up, you know, about 20, 30 minutes in, into this uh, log PT and, and everybody's heads were down. And I noticed everybody was suffering just as bad or worse than I was. And in that moment, a friend of mine who was on another team holding another log, he looked at me and he said, hey, Jay, let's go, man. You got this. And I said, hey, Pat, you got this, baby. Come on, let's go. And all of a sudden, a few more people started lifting their heads up as well. And we started looking at each other. We started encouraging other, each other. We started inspiring us, each other, motivating each other, trying to get each other to go um, carry this log a little bit longer. And what happened was we began to focus on one another rather than ourselves and became infectious. More and more people started looking up. And strangely enough, we began to forget about our pain. The time seemed to move faster. The log felt lighter. The reality is, you know, nothing changed about the situation except our attitudes. Conditions sucked. It was hot out. Our bodies were exhausted. The logs were heavy as hell. It's just that our minds had changed. We began choosing how we thought and directing our attention towards our friends, the people to our left and to our right. And I think that that's what we need to be doing right now in this COVID stuff. We need, in these difficult moments, you know, we need to find a collective purpose. We need to focus on the guy to our left and to our right and help them get through whatever it is that they're struggling with because it's never about you. You know, it's about the people to your left and to your right. And you learn that in the military and you learn that in elite courses and units. Have people been telling you stories, Jason? of how they're finding themselves during this. And have you, how inspiring has that been? Yeah, man. So one of my clients told me right when this thing kicked off, they said, Jason, uh, uh, we don't know if we're going to survive this thing. You know, like we're terrified. Like we're, we might not have a, a company in two months. And I said, you know, I beg to differ. I think you guys are going to be okay. And here's why, you know, I think back to world war one, when the war kicked off, historically, in society, only men worked outside the home. Women did not. And men went to combat. The jobs that they um, were performing still needed to be done. And so women, for the first time, really stepped up and started working outside the home. And when the men got back from combat, they realized that women could do work outside the home just as well as a man can. And, and society changed forever. Women were now working. You know, and I think to a lesser degree, that's what COVID is showing us. It's showing us, listen, when, like, for example, my client, after two months, they're going to say, you know what? We're doing okay financially. We, we have product going out the door. Our customers are happy. You know, our employees are all working remotely from home. And, you know, we haven't skipped a beat. Everything is fine. And so what I think they're going to realize is once everything kind of settles down is, hey, why do we need an office? Why do we need a workspace? Like we did just as well working from home remotely than we did, you know, at, at an office. And I also think, you know, private equity companies are going to look at their portfolio companies and they're going to say, interesting, um, show me the financials and give me the bottom line of, of what's not absolutely impacting the business. And at the top of the list, they're going to see rent. And they're going to tell their portfolio companies, get rid of it. You don't need an office. During COVID, you mm -hmm. guys all work remotely, and you made just as money as you did before. We don't need an office. Get rid of it. And I think you know that's what you see with some companies right now. Early adopters like Twitter, the CEO, Jack Dorsey, told his employees, he said, you know, you never 
have to come back to work if you don't want to. We're going to open the offices, and that's our decision. But when and if you come back, it will be your decision. And so he said, in perpetuity, you, don't, you can stay home, right? That's even after the coronavirus pandemic ends, that's what you guys can do. And I think more and more companies are going to say the exact same thing to their employees. And, and therefore, you're going to be walk, you know, driving down the highway and you're going to see empty office buildings as far as the eye can see. You're going to see signs, office space for rent, you know, $2 a square foot instead of $80. You know, it's just going to be empty. And, and I think you're going to see a lot less traffic on the streets because of it. You know, and I think that's going to be, um, I wouldn't say a consequence, but ultimately the end state of, of a lot of what we're going through. Jason, it is Memorial Day and a weekend. And so what have you lost? Have you, are you going to remember a lot of your colleagues or those in the troop that had lost their lives? What, well, how will you be observing Memorial Day and how does this day and this weekend affect you every year uh, from an emotional standpoint, for sure? So, you know, a lot of people look at this as, you know, we're going to barbecue, we're going to take a vacation, we're going to do whatever. And that's, and that's great. I'm not bagging on that at all. Like you should be having barbecues. You should be spending time with your families. You should be having a good time. But at the same time, you know, you need to take a moment to reflect on what Memorial Day really is. Because, you know, what we owe we owe so much to, to, to so few. So what I am doing as the executive director of Warrior Rising, you know, as well as the chairman of Mission Six Zero, and Warrior Rising is a veteran service organization, a 501c3 nonprofit, and we help veterans in the most altruistic way we know how. We help them help themselves by starting their own businesses. You know, what I'm saying is at 3 p.m., you know, during the National Moment of Remembrance, I want everyone to take the time to reflect, honor, and celebrate the Americans that have given their lives in defense of this country. And then I want people, after that moment, to go out into their community, into the places of worship, their schools, you know, and find a way to give something back. You know, find a way that is meaningful to them personally to give back to the military community. And that's what I would ask your audience to uh, to do because there's a lot of talking there's not a lot of doing and if we're not doing anything nothing's going to get done just like my commander told me you're in command now let me ask you this sure thing uh jason let me ask you this how can people be interactive with you on memorial day as we do this 3 p.m you know remembrance hour there you know, I haven't thought about doing any sort of Facebook Live or anything like that. Um, I'm typically very active on LinkedIn. So if anybody wants to, to hit me up on LinkedIn on that day, that would be absolutely outstanding. Um, and other than that, they can reach me at my personal email, which is jason at warriorrising.org. And just let me know what you've done, what they've done, you know, essentially to, uh, to remember the fallen. Memorial Day uh, typically brings up so many memories of our World War II veterans and those who have lost their lives in every war. And it's sometimes highlighted more so for the World Wars. And what I'm going to ask is, it, it, was there a PTSD factor back in those days as they were fighting for us that we see now more publicized, more talked about, more combating, so to speak. Was that still going on in the World War One and Two? We just didn't really hear of that because they were so resilient? Oh, no question. No question. 
people didn't know essentially how to diagnose it. You know, they, they called it um, uh, shock, like shock. They had people were suffering from shock, shell shock, I think is, is a lot of the, uh, the, the terminology of the day. He's, he's experiencing shell shock, you know, things like that. So it definitely was going on. People didn't necessarily know how to deal with it. And so um, I think the best way that the veterans in those in those times and those eras dealt with it was um, really just kind of confiding in, in their brothers in arms, uh, the people that experienced these things with them. Because I know for whatever reason, and I'm not sure why or how this happened, but it was sort of widely accepted that you just don't talk about it. Mm. You know, because I remember asking, you know, my grandfather who was in World War II and you know, even some of my uncles in Vietnam, like, how, what was it like? Can you tell me some stories? And, you know, being young and curious and excited, like, I wasn't trying to bring up anything negative. I just w was curious. I wanted to know. And a lot of times, almost 100% of the time, the answer was, I don't want to talk about it or I don't talk mm -hmm. about it. And it's just like, okay. And it kind of prompted me to want to know what the military was like. And after, you know, going to combat on three tours, doing the things that I've done, when people ask me, what was it like? I don't get you know, me ever saying, I don't want to talk about it. Like, if you really, truly want to know and you're interested, it's my duty to tell you about it. That's how I look at it. And it's cathartic in a way. And I know it's cathartic for a lot of the guys suffering from PTSD to actually talk about their experiences. Because if you just bottle it up inside, it'll eat you up and destroy you from the inside. And that's not good, man. Jason Van Cam, did you take a little while, a long while to tell your story? Or did were you... I'm sure it wasn't like a all right. Let me write this book right out of the out of my wartime. I mean, it took a while for you also to open about open up, right? Yeah, you know, when I tell people to get comfortable being uncomfortable, it doesn't have to happen like overnight or immediately. Like it to each his own. Like when you're ready to get uncomfortable, then you're ready. You know, um, it, it, if something tragic traumatic happens to you i can't show up like 10 seconds after and say get over it you know what i mean like it there takes it takes some time to to heal and there's a process to this you know and like your mind has to kind of come to terms and cope with it on your own timeline you know and so the book that i wrote deliberate discomfort it doesn't really chronicle any of my wartime stories it chronicles um my experiences and the experiences of the guys on my team you know, handling deliberate discomfort uh, up until the point where I deployed for the second time, uh, first with the Green Berets. And so that's what the book is about, a, a lot of leadership, a lot of understanding how to get comfortable being uncomfortable from different perspectives of different veterans, along with, you know, a so what and a now what explanation from, from PhDs, researchers, experts, scientists on my team, and then a practical application with how we've um, taken this content, this curriculum, this material, and applied it to actual businesses, you know, NFL teams, you know, Major League Baseball teams, and so forth. I was going to ask you about the Super Bowl. Uh, how was that experience this year? I've been to three Super Bowls in my life. Um, this one was special. You know, it was in Miami, so the weather was really nice. And my buddy, Luke, he sold his company for $50 million a couple of years ago, so he's got a lot of money. And, uh, He's a huge 49ers fan, so he wanted to do a big, big blowout party in Miami. And, you know, so uh, we, we tried to turn this into a Warrior Rising fundraiser. And and uh, he took his took us all down for free in his private jet, you know, from Utah. And uh, we stayed at a really nice hotel. And we uh, we gave away two tickets 
two Super Bowl tickets to uh, to a veteran. Uh, her name was Sarah Buentello. She was a Marine Corps, active duty Marine, um, divorced mother of two, you know, uh, in her late 20s. Um, absolute sweetheart. And she was a huge Kansas City Chiefs fan. And so she took her, her little brother. And so Sarah and her brother came to the game and we gave him two free tickets. And, um, you know, I actually, I, I didn't go to the game. I, I gave them the tickets and I, and I just was outside the stadium waiting for everyone to be done. And uh, it was a great experience. Um, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Everybody had a good time except for Luke, of course, who, you know, was a 49ers fan. So he wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't happy about it. Um, but I think uh, regardless, it was a good experience. Jason, I know that uh, you do have Warrior Rising. And, and by the way, what a Super Bowl that was. It was remarkable the way Mahomes willed that team to win for Kansas City. That was awesome. But on Memorial Day, can or even this weekend, can you are, are you doing anything online with the Warrior Rising? Are you writing a column? Is there anything of wisdom and encouragement that we could find at Warrior Rising for this special weekend? Oh, geez. You know, you can always follow us on uh, any – of the social media platforms, um, Warrior Rising or We Are Warrior Rising on Instagram. You know, we post uh, every day or so, every other day, and we encourage veterans that are trying to start their own businesses or have businesses that just want to accelerate their businesses or immediate family members of veterans that are trying to do the exact same thing. Reach out to Warrior Rising. Go to our website, warriorrising.org. You know, apply and we'll get back to you on Tuesday with an intake call from one of our specialists. And they'll have a personal one-on-one -on -one conversation with you about what you're trying to accomplish. And other than that, you know, we're not doing anything partic in particular that is special this weekend. Um, you know, um, but we are posting a lot and just encouraging people to, to remember and to enjoy the, the, um, the weekend with their families. Uh, Jason, do you think that this Memorial Day, it's also important to remember those who have lost their lives in this war against corona i mean they may not be on a on a battlefield with armor but man are they armored up in the healthcare units trying to help these patients the patients themselves i mean that will be another sector to remember those who have lost their lives as a first responder as a healthcare worker this this time uh with the covid crisis that's a great great comment i hadn't thought about that but you know being in the military and then having people thank you. And you're always so appreciative of that, you know, um, and I'll obviously with first responders as well, you're always so appreciative of that. You, you know, you kind of, um, feel really grateful, you know, and, and for the first time, really, I experienced what it would be like to be grateful for someone else, meaning the, the doctors and the nurses and seeing what, how much work they're putting in, how much effort they're putting in, how stressed out they are, the overtime that they're putting in, you know, and I'm feeling like to myself right now, I'm like, wow, this is sort of how people feel like to, with the military. I feel so grateful and I want to express my gratitude. I want to do things for these, you know, these doctors and these nurses that are, that are helping, you know, at the front lines of this coronavirus war, you know, and I, I'd love to find, find an organization that could help to support them and get behind them because that's, you know, I'm, I'm seeing that for the first time, and I'm, and I'm feeling a whole lot of gratitude and respect. Because, you know, it's one thing to do these 7 p.m. cheers, which is amazing, but we should be able to do more for them, shouldn't we? Oh, no question. Uh, no I question. I, I don't think I fully understand what they're going through, but I just know from what I'm seeing on commercials and hearing and knowing, like, they've got to be going through quite a bit. And so um, 
we got we got to support them. You know, we got to help them out. We got to let them know that we're we're thankful. You know, and if they need something, let's get it to them. And I also think the USNS Comfort, like, you know, we didn't have Fleet Week here in New York, which is very devastating. We always have that. <laughs> and they're doing a virtual thing. But I think the biggest contribution uh, amongst stopping the drug cartels, which the military continues to do, is rolling in that USNS Comfort. I mean, we should give a lot of thanks that we had that ship here in New York to help who needed help. You're absolutely correct. I, I couldn't agree more. And so, uh, Jason Van Camp, one, one other thing, because... The PTSD has been now thrown around with this COVID crisis. So if we have survivors listening to this, if we have those families who have suffered and have vic- suffered and have family members that are victims still fighting for their life, I mean, it, we can't ignore that PTSD. So what would your encouragement be to them today? And I, I tell this to the guys that have PTSD in the military. It's number one, you're not alone. You know, you, you're not unique you're not suffering by yourself like there are other people suffering as well like you have a community you have people that want to help you you know and if you want help just all you have to do is look up and reach out and people will help you and nobody should minimize what you're going through you're going through a lot and it's tough and it's difficult but you have a team you have a team that you're probably not even aware of willing to help you out that can help you out that you need to help you out and that, that's what I'd leave you with. Well, and Jason, one more thing for this weekend. Do you have anybody you'd like to honor, like verbally on this podcast, for their services and those sacrifices that those around you, along with you, have made and unfortunately may not have survived those sacrifices? No, I, I want to recognize everyone I've served with in, in the military community, but in particular, um, you know, on my second deployment, my first is the Green Beret Detachment Commander. Uh, we lost um, a great American um, guy from Boston, Rob Pirelli. He's a great friend of mine. He was my 18 Charlie, my, my senior echo at the time. And, um, and I always try to do my best to keep him in my thoughts always and to certainly remember him on Memorial Day. So uh, Staff Sergeant Robert Pirelli, um, miss you, buddy. Mm. Mm. Well, that is that is special, and maybe we'll send this to the family of, of your colleague there, and, and they can hear that encouragement this weekend. Thanks. Appreciate it, Alex. Jason, thank you. Jason Van Camp was my guest today, and please, if you see them, just like the healthcare workers, if you see military vets, if you see those on the front lines, say thank you this weekend. That's one of the best things you could do. And uh, Jason, I hope in your area they are doing in-person Memorial Day. I, I know here in New York it's gone virtual, which has just never been done on Memorial Day, but we're rolling with it, right? We're adapting to this discomfort. Get comfortable with it. That's the only way we can improve and grow and become stronger people. That's the only way that society can, can be better is if you get comfortable, be uncomfortable, and accept this your deliberate discomfort. On that note, I'm Alex Garrett. We will- uh, we're going to take it right there. Thank you, Jason, for joining me. And uh, really quickly, Virtual Fleet Week continues. And yes, I didn't have Mr. Mike Myers on today. Yours truly overslept a little bit. Yada, yada, yada. Um, find out all the events of Fleet Week New York. Also, tune into Radio Hope at 9 a.m. Eastern when he has Miles McKee back on the pastor from Spain. He will dial in to Mike's show later at 9 a.m. Eastern. 
But I want to tell you one thing about today that you might want to look out for on, on social media and Fleet Week New York. At Fleet Week NYC, also on Twitter. The U.S. Marine Corps Air Show Demo. That's right, the Air Show. Virtually, but it'll be on there. And if you're interested, you might want to take a look at that as uh, they do continue that tradition one way or another. By the way, Alex G in NYC is my Twitter. Alex G in NYC and Alex.G-A-R-R-E-T-T 21 at Yahoo.com is my email. Um, join us on after 10 a.m. because I have Captain Cornicelli uh, from Veterans for a More Responsive Government. He will continue the Memorial Day coverage after Mike Myers does his thing at 9 a.m. Eastern. Tune him in. I'll talk to you soon.